right, everyone. Hello and welcome back. Uh, we are here with our episode number seven. Uh, they're coming fast and furious here. It's hard to believe that uh, not too long ago we just started this up and and uh, we're hitting episode number seven already here. But we're here, episode number seven. We're doing sleepers and gambles and we're going to talk a little bit about the gauntlet. I, I hinted at that a little bit last week and and uh, I finally finished that out. So I'll, I'll mention that a little bit after. But first of all, let's uh, We'll, we'll pass it off to our co-host, Armand. Uh, obviously, myself here. With, we got Armand as well. Armand, how are we doing today? Pretty good. Uh, Non-fantasy. I'm pretty happy to be out golfing again. It's, it's uh, blistering hot here in PA today, but, uh, you know, it's uh, better than minus 40. So. Yeah, not uh, not wrong. I got, uh, I got, actually, speaking of golf, I just got back not too long ago. Went and swung the sticks at uh, Cook. Uh, nothing, nothing too proud to write home about, but, uh, yeah, I guess uh, a bad day on the golf course is uh, better than a good day at work, I guess. So, so it was, uh, it was nice to be out on the course. So, um, I guess, uh, before we get started here with our insiders and headliners, we've got a few things to take care of. Uh, we're going to talk about our home draft, our home league that I'm the commission with, uh, with Armand and, uh, Zach, who was on the show last week and the week prior, um, we're in that lead together and it was our home league draft. So we're going to go over that a little bit, but uh, man, first thing I'm going to mention about that draft, what a gong show that turned out to be. <laughs> they aren't, like we were all yeah. fired up, ready to go for it. First couple of picks flew off the board. Group chat was barking. Everybody was ready to go. And then it was just an absolute gong show. We had uh, in our draft, we do a six hour draft uh, per pick. So that way guys can negotiate uh, trades uh, or if they want, they can, uh, if they're busy with work and stuff like that, make the pick after or whatever. But I mean, obviously, <laughs> guys aren't too happy when you take the full six hours, but sometimes it is what it is. Um, but we had a guy pull the pin on the league halfway through our draft. So obviously, myself as the new commish, this wasn't ideal. Um, I was picking 102, then I picked 105. I knew who 106 was picking, and then this guy was supposed to be picking 107. There's a lot of speculations because I had the 108. I'm like, God, man, I wonder who's going to get to me. And uh, I was really hoping Devonta Smith, but I at that point I was like, okay, so Devonta Smith or uh, or Waddle. I'm happy with either one. I don't really care. Um, but then all of a sudden, six hour time limit goes by, no pick. And a little bit of context. Uh, unfortunately, this guy just got a little bit too busy for the league, but wasn't answering in the group chat. We made the group chat and he hadn't commented in it since 2017. Uh, guys are messaging me as a commissioner. Like, Hey man, like, I'm trying to get a hold of this guy. It's not working out. And unfortunately just, uh, I've never seen that before where mid draft, the guy, I finally got a hold of him and he pulled the pin mid draft. So I had to go back and try and add some picks and it, it was a gong show. And, and as one of my first major things having to do as a commission, it was, uh, Oh man, it was a bit of a headache. We were running it and it ended up being what three, four days it took us to do this draft because of this gong show. And we oh, were yeah. talking, it was like during work, after work, uh, Armin and I have been coaching football. We're back up and running here a little bit in Prince Albert doing some minor football. And we were talking at football, like what the hell's going on here, man? Like trying to run scenarios. Like if he does this, we got to do this. If he doesn't do this and we're going to kick one of the league. And then I ended up getting a hold of him. He's like, no, I'm pulling the pin. It's like, oh man, like headaches. Headaches were nice to avoid the awkward conversation with him pulling the pin himself. So. Yeah, it was kind of one of those ones where, like, uh, dad mode. Like, uh, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, hey, man, like, what's going on here? He's like, ah, oh, yeah, sorry, I'm busy. I'm like, okay, thank God. Like, a little bit of a, a damper, I guess, on our draft because we all get pretty excited for it. But we'll, let's run through it here. Uh, Armin, maybe you want to tell everybody about uh, how your draft went and uh, 
And maybe if you had to give yourself a letter grade, what would you give yourself on the, on the draft? All right. Well, uh, letter grade, let's see here. I'd probably give myself a B plus on it. I, I think I, I left some stuff out there that uh, I could have benefited from. Um, I had the 103, 203, 303, and 403, so all my own picks going in. Um, and I ended up trading away that 203 for uh, Irv Smith Jr. And I traded away John U. Smith in it, and I got uh, also Preston Williams in that pick or in that uh, deal as well. Um, and I did get a fourth, right? Let's see. Um, no, I gave away a second and a third. Um, third, third next year. Yeah. Um, that trade wouldn't have happened had I not passed up an opportunity that I think I shouldn't have. Um, I had a deal on the table where I would have got the 104 and the 205. And I would have been trading away Kyler Murray and I think that was it. In a, in a single Q league, obviously that's yeah. our home league. So yeah. the, uh, the unfortunate thing with that deal too, like we talked about when we were in negotiations, we were talking through the names that were left and neither of us really expected all of a sudden two picks to be skipped. So that 203 essentially turned into a 201. So it turned into a, like we thought the tear break was going to happen in that 14th, 15th pick. And then all of a sudden the tier break got pushed back an extra two picks. So we, the guy that we had like, well, we both arm and even text right after he goes, Oh man, I'm kind of, kind of having a uh, trade remorse here. And he goes, if Terrace Marshall ends up being that pick, I'm going to be pissed. And, and that's where the tear break ended up falling because of yeah. the guy, uh, the guy kind of bailing partway through. And yeah, I guess we'll fill it in. We ended up having to skip his picks, but then as soon as he mailed it in, we paused the draft, gave him picks after that kind of like the whole Minnesota uh, thing in the in the NFL draft a handful <laughs> of years ago is kind of a similar situation that but anyway sorry I'll, I'll let you continue going on your draft there sorry all right so uh yeah um and in the end I am satisfied with Irv Smith Jr. um the more I analyze it at first I was like frick I made a mistake losing Terrace Marshall Johnny Smith Irv Smith Jr. how big is the difference going to be but thinking about Irv Smith Jr. it's well I got my homer guy now Cook's too expensive to get by. Jefferson's too expensive to buy. So at least I got a Minnesota guy I can uh, cheer for and have on my dynasty team. And then the other thing is, is he's three years younger than Johnny and about to break out in the same year. And so, we're, uh, we're both pretty high on the older Smith train on this yeah. podcast year. So, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm happy having a longer competitive window with him. And then also I drafted Kyle Pitts at 103, which I'm really happy about. So I'm set at tight end for quite a few years now and don't ever have to worry about it for a while, hopefully. Yeah. And then the 303 <laughs> position, you, back. the 303 position, you put your money where your mouth is, you take your boy Chaba. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. You know, um, he has tremendous upside, um, especially compared to the other RBs that were being drafted around him or just before him. Um, he has a higher pedigree, higher production in, in college. Um, he had one down year here where he had an injury and it was COVID. Um, I don't think you can fault him for him not being as efficient as he was, but he was still putting up decent numbers. 
Um, so like you, you've said before, Carrie, cream always rises to the top and yeah. I think he's going to, uh, the Panthers will find a way to use him, yeah. um, and still give CMC his touches as well. So I, I, I like the pick there, tremendous upside. And then I ended up trading away my 403. So I only ended up doing two picks during this whole <laughs> five day draft here while I was watching the whole thing, but I was really happy with it at 403. I was, uh, I didn't really like any of the guys and I traded it away for a fourth year, fourth year, fourth round pick next year and carry on Johnson. Uh, I think Johnson's ceiling is just as high as any of the guys being drafted there. And uh, people forget that he is pretty young yet. He's turning 24 in June here and I'll know sooner than I will with those fourth round draft picks, whether or not I do want to keep him around. Um, it's not like he's a developmental piece I'll know right away. Um, so then I'll have room for, for a waiver wire pickup beginning of the season if I don't need him anymore. Yeah, like we talked about before the pod, you can cut you can cut slack on him really quick. He, he's got yeah. the short leash, you know, if you're going to run with him or not, especially with that Philly backfield. Yeah, so big picture during the draft here. I traded Jonu Smith and Godert um, away pretty much. I trade, turned Jonu into Irv Smith Jr., which is, higher upside there um i traded or i turned godard into preston williams i'm flush at tight end um i also have hunter henry there and eric ebron so flush there so i didn't need godard even though he's going to break out i love him as a player um but i have another receiver that i i hope hope will kind of throw in uh, mud against the wall hoping for something to stick here at receiver at the moment my uh uh, my my draft situation here, I, uh, I guess <laughs> I'm, uh, in most of my leagues, I, I don't draft often because I, I trade a lot of picks, especially for my teams in the most recent current positions. They were, I wouldn't say win now, but I was making moves at the deadline to add players to try and give myself that push. So I was always trading away my draft picks in the last couple of years. I haven't been drafting that much. Uh, and this year, I think I made up for lost time as I ended up uh, before the end of the draft was done. I ended up having nine picks. So it was, uh, I had a lot of draft capital and, and I think looking at it, I'm going to give myself a rating. Uh, I think of a, I can't give the a plus because I mean, uh, I obviously there is always opportunity for better, but I think a is pretty strong because I look at it and I got the guys I wanted. There's times where I hemmed and hawed and there's times where it's like, okay, I want one of these two guys. And then the guy I wanted more went before I picked, but then the day you can only react to what the draft's going to give you. And uh, when I look at my list, I got my guys. So I think even an A plus it could be in, it could be in the realm here. So at the one Oh two position, I drafted Najee Harris, the one Oh five, I drafted Javante Williams, the one Oh eight, I ended up getting Devonta Smith, two Oh three. I got Terrace Marshall jr. Uh, two Oh nine. I got Amonra St. Brown. 304, I got Dwayne Eskridge. I got my little sleeper pick there. I had the same thing. I had to put the money where the mouth is on that one. Uh, 309, I got Diami Brown. 402, I got Mac Jones. That's the one where it's like, I didn't really need it, but Mac Jones in the fourth, that's tremendous upside. And I was like, okay, well, who else do I really want this position? Do I need? I was thinking Tylen Wallace, maybe, but I was so set at receivers where, okay, well, maybe if Mac Jones kind of booms it. So that's the one that kind of holds me back from giving myself the A plus. I didn't really need it, but at the same time, there wasn't really anything I, I really, really wanted or liked at that point. But, uh, and then the 405, I got JV and Hawkins. And that was when I texted Armin before I said, I have a hunch 
I mean, it could be the same thing. I could drop him right away, but he has the potential to be this year's late round undrafted rookie pick or your either the late round rookie draft, sorry, or the undrafted picking up a waiver wire. Cause he was a UDFA as well too. He wasn't drafted and Atlanta picked him up and we know the Atlanta situation right now. They would try to get carry on Johnson on the waivers, but they had the lower waiver, or, but sorry, Philly had the lower waiver priority than Atlanta. So obviously Atlanta is looking for the answers. So that means that they're not all in uh, at this moment with Davis but uh, I think maybe Javion Hawkins, if he, if he lights it up at camp, then he might be able to sneak his way into that uh, starting position. Maybe we have this, uh, this year's James Robinson or, um, yeah, or this year's Philip Lindsay, right? Uh, so it seems like there's one of the bunch every single year. And, and who knows, in the fourth round, it's just a crapshoot regardless. So uh, I'm hoping maybe this year I, I'm going to strike some gold with that UDFA. So I ended up having the nine picks and, and I mean, I was thin at running back. So I ended up getting only two high quality and the two that I had rated the highest. So once again, the draft kind of fell to me at TN went, uh, sorry, ETN went at the, uh, the 104. So it made my decision easy. The 105, I was going to take Javante. The only other person I would have maybe considered was going receiver and going Devonta Smith, just because uh, I, I'm high on Devonta, but, um, but I need the running back. And I ended up, he and uh, Smith ended up falling until the 108 anyway. So it ended up uh, kind of working out my favor partially because the 107 debacle of guy not coming but I would have been like that same thing I would have been happy with Waddle or or Smith I think it was just Zach was the one that really reaped the rewards there because he was the 109 and if Waddle and Smith yeah. was gone then he's probably reaching for Bateman maybe or it was one of those that the tear break right we called the tear break there uh Zach snuck his way inside that tear break of the of well, the top end players once the timer expired wasn't Zach just texting you like hurry make up, the pick, make the pick, 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 pick. <laughs> Hurry up. <laughs> but hey, it, uh, we'll see. You know, you can leave the rookie draft really happy or you can leave the rookie draft real sour and things can turn sideways in a hurry. So yeah. once the NFL season gets started, we'll be uh, we'll be ready to, to talk shop and see where we actually finish. But I guess uh, before we get started, let's uh, let's talk about the gauntlet. Okay, so I'll explain everybody about the gauntlet. We were, we were kind of, I can't remember when this even started, Armin, but we... Um, we were him and Han, I think at work one day, I said, you know, we should, I should do something about like that. We can talk about the podcast. I should try and make a trade with every single person in our league. So like, if you haven't seen obviously the Avengers, so you, you know what the gauntlet is like the affinity stones added to the infinity gauntlet here, or every time I made a trade, I got added to the affinity gauntlet here. So it started off when I made a trade with uh, a guy that actually I co-own a team with in our high stakes league. Um, he's in our, and this is all obviously in the league, like commission and I'm with Armin. Uh, I decided that I'm going to rebuild. My team was middling potentially win now, but I was on the outsides looking in. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to blow it up. I'm going to rebuild. I'm going to get younger. And then we're going to do this thing from the ground up. So I moved, uh, I made nine, nine trades, nine trades, nine teams. And I made a couple other trades with, uh, like multiple trades with a few people here as well too, but I'll just list it off here in order of the guys I gave away. And then the guys I received. So some of the guys I gave away, I had received in deals. So I told, actually told Armin, I said, out of the 30 guys I had on my roster last year, I only have five of them remaining. So my team is fresh restart, hit the, hit the restart button. But so I gave away Devonte Adams, Julio Jones, Miles Gaskins, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon, Raheem Mostert, Cooper Cup, a 2021 sixth, 
2021 301 or sorry not 2026 2021 206 2021 301 uh, I traded away a 2022nd second rounder I traded away Tyler Johnson I traded away Austin Eckler I traded away a 2021 305 a 2022 fourth I traded away DJ Moore I traded away Tyson Hill Josh Jacobs a 2021 106 uh, James Robinson and Kendrick Bourne so those are the players I had traded in my nine team, my absolute, just let it go. Gauntlet, get the affinity stones. And then I ended up making a couple other trades where I got Preston or gave away Preston Williams and Irv Smith, gave away Paris Campbell, and then gave away Hen- Henry Ruggs and Jonas Smith, who I literally received like the day prior. Now, talk about the players I received. Keep in mind, some of the players I received earlier in this list, I did deal as well. AJ Brown, Deontay Johnson, 2021 301, 2021 305. 2021 108 and a 2022 first then naeem hines jonathan taylor and the 2021 106 i really like that trade a lot i'll be honest (laughs) then uh philip Lindsay, quintas cephas and the 2021 304 carson wentz terry mclaurin and the 2022 first james robinson and a 2021 209 2021 309 that trade i really hated that was obviously the whole uh etn (laughs) uh (laughs) debacle we had the following day uh, then I got Dak Prescott, the 2021 102, which was Najee Harris, 2021 to, uh, 402, and a 2022 second, and a 2022 third, and a 2022 fourth. Uh, and then the final piece I got for the gauntlet, uh, and to make the gauntlet happen, uh, the owner that didn't respond enough and left, we replaced him, and then I made a trade with that owner. I got Henry Ruggs, Adam Troutman, who I am quite high, and I'll talk about here later on in the pod, and then I got a 2022 second. And then to add the last little sprinkles, I got Jonu Smith and a 2021-203 and a 2022-third. I got Antonio Brown and I got Mark Andrews. And Mark Andrews was the one right dealt to the Henry Ruggs and Jonu Smith that I just received. So maybe gave up a little bit of value on those two players, but uh, I got Mark Andrews, who I'm a little bit high on as well too. So it sets me up for the future. So obviously the gauntlet, we've been trying to get this going for the entire time, piece by piece, making trades with every single owner in the league. I can say I did it. I've got the affinity stones here. I got them all here, clench ready to go. Now, hopefully I can just snap my fingers and just this season is uh, where I, where I finally become the winner for the first time in that league, but we'll see. And even if I'm not, my team's young, it's set up. And uh, next year I've got what three first, two seconds, two thirds and a fourth. So I'm uh I, 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 I would like to say I dominated this draft and I'm set up to dominate next year's draft as well. So I'm, I'm ready to rock. So that, uh, I guess when we were talking about the gauntlet, that was the, uh, the, what we call it, the leaguey McLeague gauntlet because that's our, uh, the league's league's name. I'd say almost, you have too many assets now. What are you going to do next year's draft? You're gonna have yeah, that's the players. problem. I got, I got a lot of players like uh, Quintez Cephas. Um, I'm trying to go through the list here. I got like Quintez Cephas. I got uh, Philip Lindsay. I got a lot of quarterbacks. I got Jared. I, well, I got five or six quarterbacks in a one QB league. So I got too many. So I can cut slack there. Kind of keep All the right. ones I like. Uh, Antonio Brown, he's short-lived. He's probably just going to be this year for me, maybe two years to go. Yeah. So I, I – uh, and a lot of those fourth rounders I took this year, I'm going to know by next year if I can move on from them or not, you know. So, yeah, uh, I know what you mean because it was getting late in the draft. I was like, man, who am I going to drop for this pick? It was getting, it was getting to the nitty gritty. But um, we'll see. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll be able to flip a couple of young players for uh, for a veteran and make a playoff push this uh, this year. But regardless, you know, I, was, 
I was impressed with your gauntlet around here. Um, a lot of the guys you you gave up and got here is like you got young assets and you got multiple young assets for proven players, but your young assets are pretty proven, like AJ Brown, uh, Terry McLaurin, and Jonathan Taylor. Like you got some young guys that already have proven they can produce. So it's pretty I'm, good. I'm hoping to set the dynasty up for hit the, hit the reset button and hopefully they're moving forward. I, I missed the window on the previous rebuild I did. So I'm hoping to be able to hit the window on this one. So we'll, only time will tell on that, but obviously a little bit of a bit of a long-winded intro here before we get into our actual segment. But we had a, we had a lot to share because it seemed like a lot happened in the last two weeks here for us as we were getting ready to move forward. So, yeah. Any uh, any comments here before we uh, hit it off with our very first segment, Armin? Let's get her done. Right on. All right. So uh, insiders and headliners. A little bit shorter, sweeter here, I guess, for this one. A uh, couple signings, couple waves. So Lions waved carry on Johnson. Uh, who was the 43rd overall pick. I was really pumped when they made that pick. And unfortunately, he just caught the injury bug and just couldn't shake it. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, he is quite young. Uh, he was waived and then picked up quite early by Philly and now adds to a little bit of a crowded backfield there. Now, who's going to stick around? Who's going to get cut before the uh, season season debut? I'm not too sure. But like you mentioned, that was part of the whole getting for the fourth rounder. You're going to know right away. You can let him go or he has a little bit of upside moving forward on your team too, right? Yeah, and he has a he has a good shot of having a good uh, role on this team. He's actually one of the better pass protection uh, running backs in the league. So with that upside, he's a three-down back who's caught the injury bug. So um, he, he could carve out a nice little role for himself here. For sure. Then uh, adding on the... The randomness of signings here. Tim Tebow with Jacksonville, um, a little bit of head scratch. I mean, we've, you've seen the video there where he ran that, I don't know, like a pretty banana looking route and didn't get his head around in time, ends up wearing the football in the dome. He's never had a professional catch, but he's going to try it out at tight end there for Jacksonville. Calvin Benjamin, after taking the hiatus for a couple of years, is coming back and signed by the Giants as a tight end as well. Uh, and then Blake Bortles to Green Bay to add a little, uh, a little bit of uh, discussion, I guess, on once again, what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. So three, three relatively minor signings, but enough that be able to stir the pot a little bit and, and host some, host some conversations about fantasy football too. So, yeah, you know, they're, they're kind of just, let's see what happens. Exactly. They're kind of fun, you know, two guys switching positions. So, yeah, I'm uh do you, do you, do you think, do you think, well, I'll ask you straight up. Do you think the Tim Tebow thing is going to pan out or do you think it's just going to, it's just a little bit of just, everybody just wants news to talk about at this point. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't think so, but in, uh, I put a waiver request on him in a dynasty league. I won't tell you which one, but I, I did. And I, I was like, ah, let's, let's have some fun with that. Yeah. Hey, long he's shots, built, long shots. Built the right way. He has the speed to do it. Yeah, I mean, if he can figure out how to catch the ball and run routes, that's something that can be taught. Let's see if he can do it. Uh, a good start is putting in the hands and not off the forehead, I guess. But <laughs> somebody will tell him that. He'll, he'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, while we were away, too, the NFL released the schedule. Obviously, we know that it's going from 17 week to the 18 weeks. So teams are playing 17 games instead of 16 games. Uh, obviously, we got a couple marked down on the schedule there. The Vikings uh, and Lions, which we're happy to have a little bit of wagers on. 
I might have to get two to one odds or something because my Lions yeah. think you're going to be long shots for those. But week five at Minnesota and then week 13 at Detroit. So obviously we got those uh, marked on the schedule. But anything maybe you um, – obviously. oh, and then, yeah, actually I'll come back to that. Anything you got uh, to, to mention there, maybe maybe some takeaways from the schedule? Um, you know, it's, it's a schedule. Uh, I don't look too deep into it. Teams are always changing and yeah. it's too much to try and determine, especially with dynasty in mind, try and really play the schedule game too much. Um, it's exciting to be able to talk, talk football. Cause now it's, now it's reality. Now we know who we're playing, when we're playing, see the path to success or failure. Yes. Like some teams, it looks like, well, I remember last year we said Buffalo looks like they had the hardest schedule and, they just lit the league on fire and, and they were, a, they were a, what a game away from the Super Bowl. So like you yeah. said, anything, it's too early to tell and anything can happen because hey, it's the NFL and, and that's why the games are played. Like you, like you've mentioned yeah. one thing I'm going to mention. So Super Bowl 56 was scheduled. Okay. It's scheduled for February 13th, 2022 in LA's sick new stadium. So first of all, pretty excited for that, but I'm going to mention, I think the NFL screwed this up a little bit. I think they missed an opportunity. Okay. First of all, I don't think too many wives, girlfriends, and fiancés are going to be too excited that we're going to be glued to a TV on the Sunday before for Valentine's day. Not too many people are maybe going to be one out for the dinner on the Monday. So maybe Sunday was going to be your day. Well, sorry, it's uh super bowl Sunday. So I feel like there might be some upset, uh, upset ladies or significant others, I guess, uh, in, in the, in the house for that one. So thank you very much NFL, but here's what I'm thinking. Okay. How many times have you heard people say the Monday after the Super Bowl needs to be a holiday? Because it's always yeah. usually like February 5th, February 6th, right? It should be. Make the Monday a holiday. Okay. Why don't we add a bye week before the playoff starts or we push the, the push the season to start a week after? So our, our week one start date gets pushed back a date, back, back one week. Uh, the United States and Canada have that Monday as a holiday. For Canada, it's family day. And the United States, I can't remember exactly what the actual holiday is, but they have the Monday off as well too, which means that the Monday after the Super Bowl would be a holiday. So everybody can go celebrate, do whatever they want to do on Super Bowl, and we'd have the Monday off. I think the That'd NFL, I think they missed, I think they missed out on that one. Push yeah. the week back, push the start date back a bit. We'd Especially start this year with them stick tinkering with the schedule and everything. Yeah. And the buy and like the you get. You get the three preseason and then you get like almost like a bi-week preseason, like a prep week or whatever. Just yeah. push it back a week. Man, how decent would it be for us to be firing up the Super Bowl on Sunday, crush some wings, have a few drinks, watch the game with buddies. Hopefully COVID's a thing of the past. We can actually get together and, and watch the game together. And then the game's done at like 11 o'clock, whatever you're done and socializing and you can just sleep in the next day. How nice sure. would that? Like, that's a dream. That's hey, a dream. You don't have to worry about a thing. You just... Oh yeah. I'll fire up some brunch the next day and talk about the Super Bowl. Like, yeah, I can get behind that. Thanks NFL. We, I think we missed the mark there, but I I thought that was uh, worth mentioning. Yeah. Maybe we should uh, try and get some steam rolling on this through the pod here. Hey, there, well, this is the first year they're changing things up. So I think maybe they'll realize that, Oh, we maybe screwed this up a little bit. We'll, we'll change something next week or next year. Sorry. We get to give it for the people, give them what they want. Um, so a little bit shorter one for insiders and highlighters, nothing too crazy going on. Um, as the, obviously the season progresses, we'll be able to, uh, get a few extra, few extra pieces of information and news maybe to be able to speculate on, but we'll get ourselves back into keep trade cuts here. We took a week off last, 
last time and we'll get her going here. So with this one being this episode being sleepers and uh, gambles, we're going to go on uh, some sophomore uh, wide receivers that maybe haven't had the boom yet. So maybe some sleeper picks uh, from the sophomore receivers, Denzel Mims from the Jets, Jalen Rager from Philadelphia and Laviscus Chanel Jr. from Jacksonville Jaguars. So keep trade cut, Armin. What you doing? All right. I am uh, cutting Denzel Mims. Okay. Um, it's a busier receiving core with Corey Davis there now. And then uh, um, oh, his name blanks me right now. Uh, Crowder with uh, Davis and Crowder. And I didn't love Mims as a prospect necessarily. Um, and then you add that along with uh, the Elijah. Shanahan coaching tree coming in. Well, and Elijah Moore coming into town too. Yeah. And uh, they're going to, you, you got to suspect they will be a little bit heavier run from the Shanahan coaching tree and busy receiving court. The opportunities won't be there. And last year he, out of these three guys, he caught the lowest percentage of his passes. He only caught 52% of his passes and no touchdowns. So he didn't always make the most of his opportunities when he got them. Um, so I'm going to cut Denzel Mims. Uh, Jalen Rieger, I'm going to trade him. Okay. Um, I think you sell him that he could be potentially the number one target in this offense, um, point, pointing out the unknown surrounding uh, Smith's size in the NFL and how it will translate um, and trade, trade him while you can still convince people that he, he could be the number one target before Smith becomes the number one target. Um, and a lot has changed in Philly. Um, so we have no idea how the chips are going to fall there as far as um, how they're going to run their offensive system. Um, who's going to be the number one receiver is Jalen hurts. Is he going to want to go to Rieger? Is he going to want to go to Smith? I don't know. So sell that he has potential to be the number one and uh, let's get rid of him. And then keep Cheneau. Um, he was the most productive of the three, so it sounds like it's easy. But you look at it, he caught the highest percentage of his passes again at 73% of his targets. And he had the most touchdowns at five touchdowns. And this team should be better this year, um, but should still be in neutral and negative game scripts. Um, so a lot of throwing the ball still. And um, he was producing with Westbrook, Connolly, um, and Chark in that lineup last year. So now it's uh, um, Connolly and uh, Marvin Jones. I'm right with Connolly, right? Yeah, I he get Con Chark and Connolly mixed up all the time. Yeah, Con Chark's still there. Connolly is with, I believe, Houston now. Okay, so uh, Chark and uh, and Jones there. Yeah, Marvin. Um, he could he could have the potential to be the number one guy there um, as well, and they'll be throwing the ball a lot. So um, I I keep Chanel. Yeah, I think for me, well, I'm, I'm with you on the Chanel. I think he's got the most capability of being the one where he can surprise people a little bit and probably take over for Chark. I know Chark's like pretty high and people are high on him. So Chanel, he could probably get a little bit cheaper than, uh, than Chark. I think he, out of the three, I think he's got the capability of being the one more. Uh, so that's why, and I agree with you on that, but the only thing I flip-flop a little bit is I'm going to I'm gonna trade Mims and I'm going to cut Rieger just because I think, out of the three, he has the lowest potential of becoming the one. And I think Devonta Smith coming in there was clear cut that, well, we missed. And they've missed a few times in Philly on the receivers. But the, the interesting thing about all three of these, they all three have things that are changing, right? New yeah. OCs, new offensive schemes, new quarterbacks, whatever it is, right? So 
all three of them have the potential to be the one because if you get that connection with the quarterback, it's just, I see the path to success being smaller for Rieger. So that's why I'm going to cut bait with him. Where in, in with Denzel Mims in, in the Jets, new quarterback coming. We don't know who the one is yet because he hasn't really had that opportunity to try and meld with anybody yet. Where, who knows? I think Crowder's on the outside looking in. I think that uh, they don't, they're not going to resign him moving forward. So I think they're going to be going forward with Elijah Moore and with Denzel Mims. So then Mims, I think, has that opportunity to potentially be the one where it's a little bit difficult for Rieger. So, I mean, very similar comments you had. And I think you couldn't really argue anybody with going one, two, three either way because they are all dealing with different situations. But I'm going to keep Chanel as well, but I'm going to cut Rieger and I'm going to, I'm going to trade Mims. Just like I said, just that's the way I see of potentially the, the percentages shaking down for, for being a one. So, yeah, like I texted you when we were making this one up, I was like, man, that's a tough one, actually. Like, yeah, well, those all ones, the changes and they're very similar. And, and it's, it's all at the chance, I think. Like, there's they all three have the potential. Um, but just with situation, I think, and where teams are going, even though right now with the Jets, it does seem crowded. I think you look there in a couple, a couple of years, I think they have their guys they want to move forward with. And I, and I think that they're going to move on from Crowder. So, but who knows? Everything's, like I said, I mean, we're all this, this whole offseason stuff, a lot of speculations. Be interested to listen to some of these back a little bit and be like, man, why did we want to get rid of Rieger? That's so stupid. But, but who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Um, all right. Off season segment. This one, I, uh, I know I've been looking forward to this one. We've kind of put some hints out there and a little bit of tidbits and, and, uh, said, these are some guys maybe I'd be targeting on the cheap or guys you should be watching out for, et cetera, et cetera. So this off season segment we're doing here is uh sleepers and gambles. So myself and Armin are both going to pick two sleeper picks, uh, and kind of talk about whether from a dynasty perspective or a redraft perspective. And then we also have two gambles picks where it's like, it could be a big payday or it could also be left kind of sitting there um, just counting your, counting your losses kind of thing. Right? So very similar to my James Robinson pick I, I traded for before the draft. That was a big gamble. If, if the whole ETN thing didn't happen, I'd be laughing because I'm sitting there with Robinson and with Supreme stock. And I got him for on the lower end of the, of the price spectrum, or I could be sitting here with Travis ETN <laughs> and Robinson trying to battle it out and obviously it didn't pound out so that's kind of the whole idea of the gamble picks where it could be boom or it can be bust as well you gotta maybe have a little uh you gotta be uh I guess it's not for the weak of hearts to try and maybe go for some of these gamble picks but uh but we'll just get right into it I'll I'll start it off with my uh, sleeper pick number one and uh I'm, I'm big into this guy uh Chris Carson okay I think he's being slept on and we've mentioned it I can't remember if it was the two podcasts ago or whatever but I think uh, he's he's been slept on his entire career. He's been putting oh, yeah. up unbelievable numbers year in, year out with a, a kind of a crowded backfield, to be honest. And everybody's like, no, he just keeps sliding on the ADP, ADP sliding. Right now, his average draft position is the 401. Fourth round for Chris Carson. And Pretty good. And who, who else is left in the backfield? Like, I'm going to look right now. They have Rashad Penny who what has played like 20 snaps his entire career. He's been hurt his entire career. Uh, they got Travis Homer, which I'm not too concerned about. And then they had the rookie last year, DJ Dallas, who only got snaps because they didn't have a single healthy back. They didn't you know sign anybody in the off season. They didn't have draft capital to go after anybody. So they said, Chris Carson is our guy. They signed him. Everybody's just tried to scare him. They were trying to sell him, trying to sell him because they didn't think that Seattle was going to sign him. And well, lo and behold, Seattle, bucked up and they paid Chris Carson 
Okay, well, I thought, okay, this is going to skyrocket his ADP. He's the only guy left in town, and especially in redrafts. Well, running backs, if you, if you have a good running back, you win. Like, that's what you need. You need the good running backs, and that's what puts up the big points, right? Um, but no, he just he's going down even more. Last year's average draft position was kind of at the end of the second, early third. Well, now he's even lower. And, and I guess the whole thing is, well, injury, injuries, injuries. He's always hurt. Well, of the entire running backs that were in, I think, the top, top 20 last year only three or four of them played an entire 16 game season so it just every running back misses time that's just the way it is so when you write a guy off especially the running back position because of injuries I think it's kind of almost foolish especially a guy like this that's put up really good points while he's been healthy and he did miss like significant time last year at the injuries but when he's been on the field he's been dominant and he catches the ball and he has a nose for the end zone he lost a little bit last year when Hyde came in and Hyde didn't have many opportunities until uh, Car- until Carson got hurt. But then it kept seeming like, okay, Hyde's finding the end zone, finding the end zone. So that's where Carson's numbers went down a little bit because of not finding the end zone. But now he's set up for success, but his ADP keeps dropping. Now this, whether you take it from like a redraft perspective or a dynasty, dynasty, I'd be going to get him right now. Like I'm trying to get Chris Carson all over the place because I feel like he is once again, you guy, you can probably get cheaper because guys sleep on him. Always hurt all the time. Always getting older. Oh, it, well, man, Seattle is saying they want to run the ball more. <laughs> well, who's going to run the ball more? Rashad Penny? I don't think so. Like Chris Carson is going to be up for a workload like nobody's business this year. And if you can get him in the fourth round, like that sets you up where you can go RB in the first round. Then you can go maybe two stud receivers. And then you're going to take Chris Carson as your number two running back. Yeah, I'm going to love that. Like, He's going around players, so in the range of redraft right now, he's going in the range of guys like Mike Evans, Julio Jones, Kareem Hunt, Chris Godwin, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Justin Jefferson, David Montgomery, among other names. So that's kind of the range he's going. And looking at that list, okay, and if I go running back heavy, then I'm interested in maybe like a Julio or a Justin Jefferson. And Godwin has his own gambles there with the with kind of the busy backfield that is or busy uh, receiving court that is Tampa. But when you look at those lists, like Cream Hunt? No, I'd take Chris Carson for sure. Clyde Rizalaire? Chris Carson for sure. David Montgomery? Chris Carson for sure. And I think there's where you're going to see some arguments. Maybe some guys want to go Montgomery over Chris Carson, but I am in total disagreement. When you have a guy that has that workload and he is primed, ready to go for a 17-game season, he's going to miss time. Much the same like we've proven a lot of running backs do, and that's just the way it is. It's a tough position to play, man, and it's hard on the body. Being an NFL running back, that's, there's a reason your shelf life is so much smaller than any other position. And Chris Carson, once again, we say it again and again and again, he's being slept on and the 401 ADP is stupid. And I'm going to end up having Chris Carson on a lot of my teams moving forward next year. Unless I get him first. Yeah, no, that's the problem. I tell Armin all my ideas and we're going to have very similar teams going into a lot of our hey, next year. But I've always liked Chris Carson. Oh, and yeah. like you said, like, he he's being slept on this is like the first year going into the season where he is the clear number one in seattle like, like why is he so low and it's going and it's getting going in their direction it doesn't make any sense anyhow yeah. let's go let's hear your number one sleeper all right so i just want to start off by saying i avoided receivers and sleepers i went straight rbs here um because the difference between the the like second tier to like the fourth tier guys and receivers is that point differential just isn't that much anyways. So they're not that much of a sleeper in my mind. 
Um, I'm looking for like that, that bigger payoff kind of thing. So my first sleeper is Josh Jacobs. Um, people are selling him like he lost a starting spot in, in Las Vegas. When in reality, I think it's just they upgraded their backup. You know, they had Booker last year. They upgraded their backup to Kenyon Drake, who is he really that much of an upgrade from last season's production of Kenyon Drake? I don't know, but Booker had almost 100 touches last year, and Jacob still had in the high 200s of touches in the backfield. So um, I think um, Jacob's position as RB21, um, he could produce at a top 10 level next year, and you're getting him at RB21, so an RB2, RB3 range there, and he could be an RB1 for you. I, I think that's awesome. Like you, you draft him in there, you could get that top 10 potential at worst. He's going to give you an RB two numbers, which is where you'll be drafting them at anyway. So um, I think, I think that's definitely someone worth saying that people are sleeping on him. And in dynasty, you buy him now while everyone else is selling him. Like, yeah, why I'm, not? A, I'm caught between the rock and a hard place. I had him in a lot of leagues and I sold them in a couple and I've, I've kept him in a couple and, yeah, when you try and sell them, people don't want to pay the Josh Jacobs dollar amount. So I think you, you kind of, yeah. And like I said, I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place, but I totally agree with you. Like uh, we, we've had this conversation, like Devonta Booker was there and he's had the exact, like a lot of people are penciling in the same amount of targets or, or, uh, or touches, I guess, as Booker. So it's like, well, what's that leave? What's that leave Jacobs? The exact same workload as he had last year. So it's just a matter if it's going to get eaten into a little bit more. Uh, or not so but I, i'm uh, i'm in total greens with you there yeah um i'll go into my sleeper number two and i'll mention uh, honorable mention i i wanted to do antonio brown for this one because it's <laughs> adp of 1005 which i think is uh is silly i think if you can get antonio brown in the 10th round uh and potentially have tom brady's favorite target moving forward as your receiver three four five whatever that is in the 10th round yeah that's kind of crazy so i wanted to do it just because of his adp but uh I had to do this one because once again, put my money where my mouth is, went out and got him. I'm trying to get him in another league as well too. Adam Troutman. Okay. Adam Troutman. If you are in the landscape that you need a tight end. Um, so this one maybe goes to a little bit more of like the, the dynasty perspective, I guess, not so much the redraft. It could have redraft perspective uh, or implications, I guess, moving into this year too. Just, it's just a little more unlikely. You might have to wait a little bit more because he is uh, pretty new. Uh, he's 24 years old. Uh, he was drafted in the 2020 draft, uh, third round pick 105. Uh, he's 6'5", 255. So he's a big boy. Okay, in uh, New Orleans, when they drafted him in the third round, they only had four picks that year. So they prioritized making sure that they were going to get Adam Troutman when, uh, when really they didn't need him because they had Jared Cook, they had Hill, they had the bodies. So they wanted to be able to pick up a tight end for moving forward. So eventually when they didn't have them, they had their guy. And when people say Cook and Hill left in free agency, they didn't leave. They were cut. They were let go. <laughs> they said, go someplace else, which meant left them with just Adam Troutman. And I know he hasn't really proven it yet, but this is an opportunity to get him really, really cheap and then potentially have the boom. Like, look at how cheap Zach got Kittle a couple of years back, like for pennies on the dollar. And now if you try and buy Kittle now, it's going to cost you a two, three first at least. Like it's, you can't, you can't buy top, top end tight ends without paying premium dollar. So you kind of got to call your shot when it comes to the tight end position. I think he has an opportunity to be that. 
uh, in ADP, he's going the 14th round, late 14th, 15th, or, or not even drafted whatsoever. So, I mean, you can literally just take a flyer on him on your last pick in the draft and hope for the best. But he's an excellent run blocker, which means we talked about this already. You're an excellent run blocker. If you're on the field more and more on the field more means more opportunities. And with Cook and Hill leaving, that leaves 32% of their targets because that was soaked up between those two. So who's going to soak them up? Michael Thomas, he's still there. Hey, well, who else, who else is there that's going to get these targets? So they have to go somewhere. And I'm not saying Adam Troutman's going to get all 32% of the targets, target share, but he's going to get some of it. Um, and, and with the new, with new quarterbacks going in there, um, I think uh, anything's possible. So literally you can get Adam Troutman for nothing. You can get him as a throw in maybe for trades. Um, so I think he's a, a true, true sleeper, but you might have to be patient with him. He is a young tight end and it's going to go into my hot take a little bit later on. With young tight ends, you really have to be patient uh, as obviously the, uh, the breakout age is a little bit uh, later in comparison to other positions. So uh, sleeper number two is Adam Troutman. All right. Uh, my sleeper number two here, I have um, Kareem Hunt. So um, a lot of people don't realize this, but he finished in at least half point PPR here at the RB10 on the season last year. Now, I know there's a lot of injuries to top-end guys, too, in there, but he put up, and, and some people say, you know, Chubb was injured for a little bit, so that gave him some more opportunity. But he put up his two best weeks last year while Chubb was healthy. So two games that Chubb played were his two best weeks, then his third and fourth were with Chubb gone, but like he can still put up good numbers with Chubb there. And then if Chubb goes down, he is right away going to be an, an RB1. And you can get him again in that uh, RB3 range of draft picks. And he can put up RB2 numbers all season long. We know that. he, We know that he's going to be at worst in RB2. And he could be RB1 if, if Chubb goes down. And he could even be RB1 if Cleveland is just dominating and running the ball all the time. Oh, yeah. uh, so, um, and, and everybody's picking Cleveland to be a force to be reckoned with again this year, um, even better than last year. So, you know, I think Kareem Hunt's being slept on there. Um, yeah. I think, they, uh, I think they might be Super Bowl favorites. Like they, uh, they got to be one of the higher on if you're going to gamble on it for preseason, preseason bets on who's going to the Super Bowl. Now they got to be one of the what, probably top five, top four. Got to be like I'd say, what Tampa, KC, then you're getting into okay, maybe Buffalo, then yeah. maybe Cleveland. Like that's probably your what, top four. Yeah, I'd say maybe, so. Maybe I... Green Bay, if Rogers stays there, like maybe in the conversation. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I, uh, I don't disagree with you. I just, I'm a little bit skeptic with what happened when even when he was when uh when he was a lead back and he didn't really get the numbers but he it's so it's such a phenomenon because he just puts up numbers better numbers while he is the secondary back which seems so bizarre that if you if you're the workhorse you're gonna get more touches produce more points but it seemed almost backwards but he's just you know, the, I, the guy that you, like you said he's a prime sleeper because you can always get him later but he's always if he's your rb2 you're laughing because you're never gonna get less than eight points like he's yeah. just Eddie, Eddie, it's just what else more do you want from your RB2, RB3 kind of thing, right? And, you know, like I watched a lot of Browns games last year and there was times he was on the field with Chubb too. Yeah, Like it's yeah. not like uh, they're 
one's on the field, one's off. They they sometimes are both on the field and aren't lining up in the slot. Yeah, he's an know? unbelievable pass catcher. Yeah, ridiculous for for an RB of his size. Like, yeah. it's wild. So those are those are sleepers, uh, gambles. These, like I mentioned, these are the ones that it can hurt you if if it doesn't pan out. Uh, and my first one. Uh, this me, I may get a little bit of uh, rough feedback on this one, but I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I know that seems kind of silly because I just traded for him and, and he's going to be one of my, he's probably my lead back in my dynasty team right now, but um, with an ADP of 107. So he's the seventh player in redrafts off the board right now. And in dynasty, you, you almost can't get him. It, it, you're going to have to pay up. Like, like I paid primo bucks. I paid, I sold the farm to get him, and I went all in. So if it doesn't pan out, I lost on a lot of pro- like a lot of good players. And in redraft, your first round, uh, I always take the the chance that you want to avoid risk in the first round. Uh, so guys that are potentially suspended, guys that have uh, maybe missed some time because they're still uh, coming off a of surgery from the previous season, whatever it is, you want to try to avoid as much risk as you can the first round. And Jonathan the Taylor, old adage of. Uh, don't uh, you can't win the fantasy season in the first round, but you can sure lose it. Exactly. So last year, guys, I took like CEH 107, 108, 109. I know they're kicking themselves a little bit, right? I know we've seen Jonathan Taylor be elite, but part of the problem is we haven't seen him yet do it with all the players around him, right? We haven't seen with Marlon Mack yet. The reason he started getting all those touches was because Marlon Mack got hurt, right? And then they resigned him. Naeem Hines is still there and he had an unbelievable season. Uh, so he has the built-in risk already and that backfield could be crowded. Then you take away the receiving work because uh, Phillip Rivers loves the check down. Now we don't really know what we're going to get with Wentz, right? He might check down as well and feed him the ball. Uh, maybe maybe now um, Taylor gets to go to the goal line a lot more, but uh, there's, a, there's a lot of risk. So in redrafts, I think, but it's one of those ones where it could boom, right? You can get him with 107. You're like, holy man, like I, I got this year's Saquon Barkley. I got this year's Christian McCaffrey. And he could be the number one running back in the entire season. You got him at the 107. That's how you win leagues. So you have to take a bit of a gamble. But is the gamble in the first round? I don't know. Because in the first round, really, you're going to get good players, right? Like last year, you got Michael Thomas in the first round. That kind of sucks a little bit. <laughs> or you got Saquon. You got hurt. You, got, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's all these players that can get hurt in the first round. But when you add the extra risk, you got to add that on top of the injury, on top of things that could happen with your first round players, which is difficult to do. Now, Dynasty, you're rolling with him, right? Like, I think he is the future. He is going to be elite. But redraft, you hit the reset button every single year. So in redrafts, he's going around guys like Nick Chubb. Uh, so he's going in front of guys like Nick Chubb, Zeke, Devonta Adams, Aaron Jones, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Hopkins, Kelsey. He's going in front of all those players. And now we talked about our draft strategy a little bit. I don't want to give too much away, but like when you, when you get that tier break of running backs, then you start kind of thinking about, okay, maybe I'm going to go receiver. Maybe I'm going to go Travis Kelsey with the, basically you're starting two positions in the, in the spot of one, because you got the elite tight end upside, but uh, man, 107 is a little bit steep. And who knows that might even go up. It might go down as we get close to draft season, but I think uh, it is a gamble pick. It could pay out, but it also comes with, uh, with some serious reper- potential repercussions as well uh, with burning uh, your first round pick with, with built-in risk. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, I never thought of it, but as you said, it makes sense, man. Yeah. I don't think he'll be this year's CEH, you know, like I think he, I think no. he, 
like, but you might be a little bit upset that the guys that maybe go in the second or third round might outproduce them. Like who's to say Chris Carson in the fourth round might not out, <laughs> might outproduce Jonathan Taylor. It's, it's quite yeah. possible. Right. Uh, yeah. he might go right in that sure. same range. Same. I mean, same you could talk about Zeke. Like he might be in the same, the same boat, right. And you could take him in the one Oh eight and he, maybe last year was what to show you, but it, it, you're taking on added risk in the first round. And that's, that's a tough sell when you can take what is close to as a guarantee or le- at least less risk as possible. Anyways, your, your, uh, your gamble number one there, Armin. All right. My gamble number one is Mostert at RB. He's an RB 28. So he's not a, not a round one gamble like yours. Um, but I'd say if you, you reach for him in that, that round two to giving him as your RB two, right. Um, you could be laughing if it goes off because whoever wins that San Fran backfield will have elite production. And and it's no secret, you know, everybody knows that. Um, but nobody knows who it's going to be. You know, you have legit four guys who could have that role. Um, the first is Mostart. Um, the second is, is Wilson. Third is Sermon. And I think all three of those guys are coming into camp and they're, they're hitting it almost at – the same level um, to, to steal that lead role. And then you even have Elijah Mitchell, who I talked about as my sleeper pre-draft. And, you know, he has all the talent to, and skill set to, to take that role as well. He may not be coming in with the pedigree of the other guys and the production, but, man, he could, he could definitely steal that role as well if he comes in with a start, strong camp. So taking Mostart, it's a gamble, but it, it could pay off really well. Yeah, well, and have you uh, have you heard that uh, interview with Kyle Uzcheck at all? It was pre-draft, no. but he was going off about Mostert and how he thinks he's going to be like legit this year and look out for him. And and, and actually, Uzcheck he plays fantasy football, so he's like, I'm going to be all in, all in on uh, on Mostert this year going in. He's like, I want him. He's going to be elite. He looks good. He looks fast. He's ready to go. And that was pre-draft before they took Sermon there. But I was like, man, all of a sudden everybody's hot and bothered about him. It's like all right, I got a couple shares of it. I like the sounds of this. I'm all in. And, and then they take sermons. So, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But like you said, it's, it was kind of like, uh, it's kind of like the old saying, you know, like cream rises to the top. And I think once again, in that situation, cream's going to rise to the top and, and the lead back will show. And, and like you mentioned, the lead back in San Francisco is going to be valuable. It's just, you got to call yeah. your shots because you're not going to be able to get all three of them. So you got to be able to call your shot and, and hope you hit and hope you hit. Right. This is one where it's going to be real hard to predict who is the cream in this scenario. Yeah, exactly. Because I think they all have the opportunity and they all have the potential. Yeah. Um, okay, my gamble pick number two. And this, I'm going to say it's more of a redraft perspective. But I think at the same time in Dynasty, if, if you want to take the one, the one uh, year flyer on him, you could probably get him pretty cheap right now in Dynasty leagues because I think a lot of people are shook, uh, shook on him with how the draft went down. But um, when you look at probabilities and the opportunity that maybe this player is guaranteed to lose his starting position, I don't think is locked. I think a lot of people are in the mindset of that. So I think people are pretty, uh, pretty concerned, uh, concerned about it and would probably sell them really, really cheap. Now in dynasty, you might only get the one year from them. Uh, but in redraft, like I said, you hit the button and, and everything's moving on. So uh, my gamble pick number two is Melvin Gordon from Denver. Uh, his current ADP is, is the 504. So once again, it's the whole first couple of rounds of all the superstars have kind of gone on 
And if you can get that back in Denver, I think they're going to be pretty good this year. Um, not that I think Teddy, Teddy uh, Bridgewater is going to be the reason why all of a sudden they're Super Bowl contenders. I just think they have a lot of weapons. I think they're going to be a good offense. Uh, also, their defense is really incredible. So they might be running the ball even more if they're obviously ahead in games. Um, so if you have that back and obviously Javante Williams went there, so it could be an immediate split back. It also could be maybe where Javante takes a little bit of time to develop and, uh, Melvin still is the guy and to be able to get a lead back in the fifth round, like the middle fifth round is uh, pretty juicy. And, and I think he was a guy that I was pretty high on before the draft telling guys, I would be buying him, right? He's the only guy in town. They might draft a running back, but I still think like he, uh, he, he's got a lot of value on him. Um, so he's the only guy there pre-draft. He's got the goal line work. He's, he's one of those guys that just has a nose for the end zone. He's always finding the end zone. Even when he's de- declining on skill set, he's still finding the end zone and he can catch the football. Okay. Like I mentioned, the risk in is that Denver traded up to get Javante, which means that they really, really like him. So they're going to give him as much opportunity as they possibly can. And it could be a split or Javante could take over. But I think that that's one of those things that's built in risk. But in the fifth round, I'm willing to take a little bit of risk and, and maybe be able to hit on one of those because like we know in our redraft leagues, it's like Armin had mentioned, you don't win your draft in the first two rounds, but you sure win it later on when you take some of those gambles and you, and you get those uh, and get those big hitters. So guys that are going around him in the fifth round, Cooper Cup, Brandon Ayuk, Hawkinson, Galladay, Deontay Johnson, uh, a couple quarterbacks, DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, uh, uh, sorry, I mentioned Deontay Johnson already, but um, also Johnson from uh, Houston, uh, Fournette, Rojo, Edmonds. Like you look at some of those backs like Rojo, Edmonds, meh, okay, Edmonds, maybe. Rojo, probably not. Fournette, probably not. David Johnson, really probably not. Uh, and then you're starting to get into some of like the middling receivers, which you can make up the groundwork on those middling receivers in the later rounds where running backs, you really can't do that. So I think in the fifth round to get a potential workhorse back is is pretty juicy um so if he ends up dominating the backfield and maybe Javante takes a little bit of time to develop you got uh you got a steal in the fifth round there too so like I said a little bit more from the redraft perspective but uh even dynasty if you throw a third rounder and maybe you'll end up getting Melvin Gordon who who really knows but uh you might be uh like I said a little bit of risk but it could also pay out pretty uh pretty heavily as well yeah um all right so my gamble, I'm actually going to pull an audible and go off of uh, where I was going to tell you. I was originally going Gaskins here, but I'm switching it to David Montgomery oh, for yeah. my, uh, my gamble pick here for number two. Um, he's been uh, slated in on uh, Fantasy Pros as RB19. Um, he finished RB4 last year. So another guy kind of, uh, kind of like Mostart here where he could finish high elite production, but he also has had a season or, or two seasons of like being a bum. Yeah. So uh, I think a little longer develop. Yeah. So I think you get him in the second round here. Um, he could be your RB2 and he is a little bit more of a gamble, right? He could end up only being RB3 production on the season. Who knows, right? Um, but he could end up being RB1 production in, in that top five range again. His stretch, his stretch down the season was incredible. Like he single-handedly was winning guys their leagues 
down the week yeah. 14, 15, 16. It was incredible. Like you do, you were exactly, scared yeah. to see David Montgomery. Now, is it a product of schedule or a product of talents? And maybe it's a combination of both. But like you said, that's a little bit of the built-in risk, obviously, that comes with a guy like Montgomery. Yeah. And then and then the risk that comes with it too is Justin Fields being there now. And and he's a guy who's who could run the ball. You know, he's a running quarterback. Um, so that could eat into Montgomery's production, which makes it even more of a gamble, right? So he he is a guy. Could be elite, but you're gambling on it. But uh, you know, at at the RB nineteen, I mean, he could slide even further yet. You know, there's a lot of guys that don't believe in him. Um, so you could you could kind of sit there and let let some guys flow by, pick a few receivers or something, or elite receivers, and then then go for Monty after that. Almost almost a zero RB, but uh, take. <laughs> just going all in on the, those big names, right? Like getting the Hopkins, getting the Jeffersons, getting the, those types of guys, and then trying to trying to gamble on the running backs at the later. I think that, that would be the only way he ends up being your RB1. Is exactly. Your RB Having him as maybe RB2, RB3 with the upside, I guess, it maybe takes a little bit of the gamble out of it, I guess, but at the same time, you might be thin at receiver position. But like if, you, if, I, if I told you right now, Armin, David Montgomery is your running back one, are you comfortable with that? No. But That's if I told, makes it a gamble. <laughs> exactly. If I told you running back two, running back three, all of a sudden you're like, okay, like you're not yeah. relying. Right? So, but that's, like you said, the built-in risk that comes with uh, drafting David Montgomery. So, yeah. Um, well, that'll do it for our uh, sleepers and our gambles. Uh, obviously we got lots more. We'll be kind of uh, sharing little tidbits throughout the podcast here, especially if we get close to draft season. And we'll, we'll dive into a few names a little bit more that uh, we're, we're kind of all in on guys come draft season just because of their ADP and stuff like that. But uh, that'll do it for that segment for this ep- uh, episode. Uh, wrapping things up as per usual, the ice cold hot takes. Um, I know, I know mine's spicy on this one and Armin's not going to like it. Uh, I don't know if he's actually got a chance to see it yet, but uh, we'll let him go first and then I'll, uh, I'll come in hot with my second one. All right. Um, I'm going to go with something that I guess I've kind of been hearing rumblings about it. And the reason I picked it, though, is because um, a few weeks ago, we learned about uh, a former student and a current student at our school who, who's been listening to the pod, and, <laughs> and their favorite team is the Cowboys, so I was like, I, I got to do a hot take on the Cowboys. So here, here we go with my Cowboys hot take, and it's going to be, I'm going to continue the trend of RB talk here, and there's a lot of rumbling about Pollard being the more talented back now than Zeke. That Zeke is starting to get a little washed up and Pollard is actually the better back. I am going to say in my hot take, um, we're going to see Zeke come out this season. Um, He's going to be the starter. He's going to be getting tons of touches. I don't think Pollard's going to take over, but I'm going to say that it's going to be more of a backfield by committee by the end of the season with the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> oh, I hope not. <laughs> no, I, you know, that's my hot take. It that's might not be too hot. popular, but, you know, I'm seeing the writing on the wall. and uh, He looked good. Like, he actually did look yeah. good when Zeke was out. That, uh, was it week 15, maybe, when Zeke was out? Yeah, and he I went out for he went out for like 160 yards in two or three oh, scores man. or something. Like he, yeah. it was like okay, this this is silly. Like, well, and and that's the thing is he show show that. So it's not like he has 
it's not like Zeke has to fall off the map completely for Pollard to be the better back. Yeah. I mean, Pollard has shown he can be elite production. Zeke just needs to fall just a little bit, like, or continue on the trend that he's been doing, you know? He's hitting that, he's hitting that age where it's starting to get sketchy. You know, what is he, 26? Coming yeah. into 27, it's rb shelf life it's i'm not saying it's impossible i just i i hope that does not happen because and he's seen a lot of touches zeke's a guy that i'm interested if you get in the back end of redrafts where you're sitting on like the eighth or ninth pick where if you can hit zeke on the front end and then hit like a guy like eckler on the back end and you're going one two punch with zeke and eckler yeah, I'm all in on that. So I'm really hoping that Zeke's because this is going to be the latest you're going to get Zeke in redrafts in a long time since when yeah. he was going to hold out, right? Yeah. And then he was still going in those early five picks because people are willing to take the risk on that. But man, oh, I, oh, I hope that doesn't happen. Oh, that'd be super disappointing. Um, okay. So, Armin, brace yourself for this one because you're not going to like to hear this. Okay. My hot take is in dynasty drafts and uh rookie drafts redraft whatever perspective i am 100 percent out on kyle pitts 100 percent okay yeah that Um, is hot though that's completely against everybody yeah so here's why okay the very very best rookie season that's ever happened in dynasty was by Evan Ingram in 2017. Okay. In 2017, he had 64 receptions, 722 yards and six TDs, which landed him in half point PPR leagues with 141.6 points, uh, which where he finished as the tight end four that year, but it could have finished as the fifth or the sixth because uh, the difference between tight end four and tight end six was four points. Okay. Um, and that's the very, very best rookie seasons ever happened. Now, right now, it's the very, very most expensive. You're probably going to get pits, like to be able to purchase pits until after his breakouts already happen, right? So right now in rookie drafts, he's going uh, like in single quarterback leagues, he's gone. I've seen him in the 101. I've seen him in 102. I've seen him 103, 104, a little bit on more unlikely, but kind of he's lining in those spots, right? And then yeah. it was, even with super flex, I've seen him go anywhere between one, one and one, six ish, but even one, six, once again, probably on the tail end, maybe like one, seven. In, in super flex, in super flex. I've seen him go maybe even one Oh seven to the two, like two, three top end cues, chase Harris. And then you're looking at like Pitts kind of in there or, or Williams or, or ETN. So he's going right in that. Probably, I've seen him go in 101 in Superflex 2, which is just stupid. That's wild. I don't get that anyways. But So it's the most expensive you're going to get him, right? Yeah. Now look at guys. I'm going to come back to that point in a second here. Look at guys uh, from two years ago, uh, three years ago, uh, TJ Hawkinson and uh, Noah Fant. Okay. They were drafted in like the 105, 106, 107 range of the rookie drafts back then. And now we're just finally be able to reap the rewards of that draft pick. Okay. Now last year or two years ago, if you wanted to trade for Noah Fanta or Hawkinson, you probably could have got them for a second. You could have got them a for a late first. Maybe if the guys are real desperate and real pissed off, you could have got them for even cheaper. Right? Like I got offered 107 or is it 107, 108 for Hawkinson? Well, he paid 105. So it's still cheaper draft equity than what you paid for him. 
right? So here's where I mentioned guys need to be, need to be really patient with drafting rookie tight ends because it takes you time to develop. The average breakout for um, the average, average age for a breakout in a tight end position is 25 years old, the average, and that's kind of right where you're in the wheelhouse. And then the average top 12 tight end is aged around 27 years old. Okay, so you got to give them time to develop. You got to give them time to get used to the NFL. And guys are going to be choked that they drafted pits 101, 102, 103, 104, whatever it was, high, high draft equity. And you're going to have to wait a couple years to have them boom. Everybody's expecting Kyle Pitts is going to be a tight end four in redrafts next year. No, he's not. No, he's not. Okay, if he is, he is literally breaking records because the best tight end rookie finish is tight end four, where you got 141 points. Okay. So I'm completely out because he's going to cost so much and the, the percentages are already stacked against him in redraft. So I'm, I'm all out. Okay. I'm going to call my shot on guys like Irv Smith in the seventh round or eighth round. I'm going to call my shots on, on guys like uh, maybe Goddard in the seventh or I'll buy Hawkinson in the fifth. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like I'd rather do something like that than go after Kyle Pitts and, and burn a pick because it's highly unlikely. Now he is toted as a generational talent, but is that guaranteed? No. Is the percentage is high? Even then, I, I don't know. So right now, now take, putting, taking off my redraft cap and putting on my dynasty cap, you had to pay that high, high draft capital. Now, next season, who's more likely to be valuable for trade assets in the offseason? Najee Harris, Jamar Chase, or Kyle Pitts? Put them in order. Probably Najee, then Chase, then uh, Pitts. Exactly. So guys that drafted Pitts above those guys, they're going to be pissed. All of a sudden, Harris is through the roof. Chase is through the roof. Maybe ETN is through the roof. Devonta Smith, maybe. Who knows? And then all of a sudden, Kyle Pitts finished as the tight end 10, 11, 12, much the same as rookie tight ends do. And they're like, holy man, I, I spent this high draft capital. Well, then maybe you can get a guy that's going to panic sell and you can buy him for a second round pick or a late first or a second and a prospect. You know, you can get them cheaper than you do now. So unless you, and I'm saying you, Armin, as an owner of Kyle Pitts, is willing to be patient, and I'm kind of choked that you got him because I was hoping to be able to be like next year get him cheaper from somebody, which in a lot of leagues I'm going to. I'm going to, I'm going to rapid fire offers for Kyle Pitts next year because the, the percentage of people that are going to be pissed off they drafted Pitts is going to be high because you have to be patient. Now, can he break that 141.6 points for a rookie tight end? Well, yeah, he's going to because he's going to have 17 games instead of 16 games, right? It's, he's going to do it. But for the game, if you take the points per game, if you take it on average, uh, that's uh, that's a lot of points. And as a rookie tight end, I just don't see it happening. So it's hot. I know um, I know guys uh, might really disagree with me, but come next year, you guys watch this one over again, listen to this take and see, can I get pits from the owner for cheap? Chances are you probably can because they're going to be impatient. And that is my spicy, spicy hot take. <laughs> you know, uh, on the redraft perspective, I agree. Like, I'm not going to reach for him. I'm not going to be drafting him as if he is going to be, like, right behind Kittle and Andrews and them, you know. Um, I'm going to be, if I draft him in a redraft, it's going to be in that tight end 8-9 range, you know. Um, Dynasty, I'm happy to have him. I'm happy to wait on him. 
Um, and you're gonna have to be patient. That's the only problem. Because even even if he finished, so here's the question: even if you finished, so say tight end six this year, are you really gonna be happy with that? Burning the top three redraft or top three dynasty picks for him? In my team's position. I'll be fine with it. You know what I mean? And you understand right. the scenario, right? But there's yeah. a lot of guys that are going to be like, holy man, why did I do that? That was so stupid. Yeah. Like a lot of guys did with Fant and Hawkinson, right? Yeah. So guys are panic selling them. You could have got them for pennies on the dollar, right? And yeah. I think there's going to be a scenario where that's going to happen for, for him moving forward too until yeah. eventually that breakout. You know, when, when that breakout hits, you ain't getting them no more. Like <laughs> you're, you're paying Travis Kelsey dollars and that's going to happen. Like I had a conversation with a buddy of mine about fantasy football and he says, well, you know, he said, why wouldn't you take him the one-on-one? The difference maker of a tight end position is worth so much. So why wouldn't you take him the one-on-one? Because I'm not willing to wait. I'm not willing to wait and I can buy him cheaper. Why would I pay the draft equity now when I assume I could probably get them cheaper later on, right? And you can get guys like Najee that could triple their value with one season. You get guys that like uh, Jamar Chase that can triple their value in one season. Even guys like Javante, it might take a little bit too, and you might have to be patient with him. ETN, uh, Devonta Smith. You know, there's guys that do like running backs and receivers where their value skyrockets earlier in the NFL. Or tight ends, like I said, the average break was 25 years old. Some of them it's later on, right? Sometimes you you break the mold and you break out a little bit earlier. But who's to say, right? You got to be a little bit patient, and and I will be just rapid firing out those offers for for Kyle Pitts in the off season. But no, I'm I'm happy Armin. to wait for him. I I think he's gonna. I think he can. He has the potential to break that rookie record. Um, Willie, that's not a for sure thing. Yeah, he he is going to be generational though. So I predict an earlier breakout than the average tight end for sure. And you know what? The other thing with me picking him at one oh three is almost like a tanking scenario too. You know, I if my team's not going to compete this year, um, you know, I'll get another high draft pick next year. <laughs> and. And we'll be competing for which one because I got three of them too. Yeah. I know for the future, baby. I love to see it. <laughs> um, I guess other than that, um, any any last second, a little maybe comments or things to add here, Armin? You know, uh, there that Canadian uh, perspective from the NFL draft with uh, with rookie rookie dynasty guys that we might pick. You know, skill position guys. We talked about Chuba, but. We never talked about Josh Palmer, and he he was close to being a sleeper for me today. High draft um, equity. Yeah, high draft equity. I watched his film, and he looks good. Yep. Like he he high points the ball. He's he has good hands. Like never catches it with his body. He beats his guy, no matter whether it's speed or or just reaching out for it. Um, I I actually like him. I'm, really high on him i'm sad i had didn't get him in any dynasty drafts that's actually at the 403 when i traded it away it was as soon as palmer was picked out like, too yeah yeah i think I, he's a, I think he's a guy you gotta be patient with too because i think they drafted yeah. him to replace mike williams and who's got one year left on his deal here who's who's gonna walk and yeah. unfortunately the whole injury same thing with mike williams he's just he plays so hard he's he's almost got that debo debo samuel effect when you play too hard and you get you get hurt in the process but he might, he might fill that role, especially with a young up-and-coming quarterback like Herbert. You know, maybe they make that connection. Now you got the next young young connection duo. So, 
and as a Canadian, obviously we want to see them, see them succeed uh, in that Canadian oh, yeah. perspective too. So yeah, uh, I guess that'll, uh, that'll do it for episode number seven here. Uh, we took on the sleepers and gambles and talked about the gauntlet recapped our recapped our draft a little bit and obviously gave ourselves a little bit of a pump of tires on how we did in our own home league drafts and added a little bit of perspective for us in, in that sense as well too so that'll do it for this episode once again i'm jordan and uh, on behalf of myself and armand and the 306 uh hosts here uh we appreciate you checking in here and uh thanks for thanks for listening to episode episode number seven uh like us on facebook instagram twitter uh subscribe on youtube and uh and if you enjoy the show obviously uh like the like the platforms and, and share us on social media spread the word spread absolutely the word. we're start we're starting to grow each episode is getting bigger and bigger so so we appreciate everything you guys have been doing for us so uh so thanks again that was episode number seven take care everybody and have a good one mm-hmm.